0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 457. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of Matthew as we start chapter 26. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're jumping into chapter 26, which is on the Thursday of Holy Week. This is really the climax of the Gospel of Matthew. And I don't know why, though, people who came in later on and put in chapters decided to make this chapter really, really long. We're not going to do it all today. And it starts like this, the plot against Jesus. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. So, Jesus has just been saying these things, and we say these things. He's been teaching in the temple here this week of what we call now Holy Week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. And he has said things against the teachers of the law. He's answered the last questions he's going to, and then he's talked about end days, and that is the this things they're talking about. He's antagonized them. In some ways, he hasn't really tried to play nice because he has some real objections to how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are going about their business. And so they have decided at this point they're going to kill him, but they're not planning on killing him this week during the festival because it's the time of Passover. The crowds are big. The crowds are on Jesus' side, so they're afraid to. So they're going to wait, although it doesn't turn out that way. Continuing on, Jesus anointed at Bethany. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body. She did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Well, and we know that to be true because we're talking about it now. Now, it's interesting that one of the other gospels says it's Judas Iscariot, who has a problem with Jesus, which is interesting considering the next thing that's going to come here. But that gospel says that Judas keeps the purse and is stealing from the purse, and therefore his reasons for objecting might be unpure. But in Matthew's gospel, Matthew recalls, no, you know, I don't think it was just Judas. As I recall, more of us had problems with this woman and this waste, this extravagant waste. Well, Jesus says it's not a waste, this extravagant love for God. Now, it's interesting because this whole thing takes place in the home of Simon the leper. Now, if Simon really is a leper, then he would be unclean, and you wouldn't be able to be in his house. So I suspect it's really Simon the ex-leper, and I wonder if this is one of the people who Jesus has healed if he is in fact an ex-leper, if they're staying in his house, it is probably because Jesus has healed him. And if he hasn't, why would he go to Simon the leper's house and leave him with leprosy? So I think it's likely that this is someone who has already encountered Jesus. Jesus is spending his last few days out in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and with Simon, apparently. And this woman comes up. We don't know who she is, but she has some For for some reason, she is showing her love for Jesus. What has Jesus done for this woman also? Jesus, at this point, has healed all the people he's going to heal in his earthly ministry. And so he has touched a lot of lives, probably Simon the leper and probably, almost certainly, this woman. This woman who takes this expensive perfume and anoints him pours it on his head while he's reclining at table. Kind of intrusive, but she is showing her love for Jesus. And Jesus says, in addition to that, she's preparing my body for burial. Jesus has already told them that this whole story is wrapping up. And he says, whenever we tell this gospel, this gospel, this good news, we're going to talk about her and her love for Jesus. It makes me wonder what we can do to show our love for Jesus today. Obviously, this is not something that's possible, but what sort of things that can we do that would be, as she is doing, extravagant? Because Jesus has done so much for us. Certainly, he is worthy of that sort of extravagance. Now, I think one of the ways, remember what Jesus said a couple chapters ago, the way you treat these others, as he says to the sheep and the goats, is the way you treat me. So one opportunity for showing extravagant love is to one another and those around us. Continuing on, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, it's interesting that other gospel that says Judas is the one who has trouble with this and then goes right into Judas betraying him. Is that what triggered Judas? Is Judas expecting something different from Jesus than he got? That has certainly been one speculation that Judas was expecting that Jesus would throw out the Romans and he's not behaving as he expected him to. Is he he, trying to force Jesus' hand? That's another speculation. The honest answer is we don't know. I don't think it's the 30 pieces of silver alone. I don't think Judas is just motivated by money. This 30 pieces that he's going to throw back in the Pharisee's face not long from now. And then we go into the Last Supper. On the first day of the festival of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matthew has a somewhat shorter version of the Last Supper than some of the other Gospels do. But there's a couple main things in here. One is... This is not just a dinner. This is the Passover dinner. I don't know if you've had a chance to experience a Seder dinner, but it's helpful to understand that a Seder dinner, the Passover dinner, had certain things that happened, and they always happened the same way, and they happen that same way today. There are four different cups of wine, and there are toasts to remember the people of Israel as they're delivered from Egypt. There's the lamb, which reminds them of the lamb who was slain, whose blood was used to mark the lintels of the house so that the angel of the Lord would pass over that house and not kill the firstborn. So they're celebrating that, and they're remembering that in every glass of wine when you pick it up, there is something that you say, and what Jesus says is not part of that script. As Jesus turns what was the old covenant into the new covenant So the old promise of God to his people who he delivered from Egypt is the old covenant that is wrapped up in the Ten Commandments and the laws. And in the middle of this meal that remembers that act, Jesus says, this is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant, the new promise between God and his people. Instead of a series of laws to follow, as the old covenant has, Jesus is going to sacrifice himself or be sacrificed as the lamb was slain to mark the door so that the angel of death would pass over. His blood covers us, is what we say, so that our sins are forgiven and we too are not marked for the death that sin leads to. And so that's what's going on here. And within the midst of that story, we get Judas. We get Jesus saying, just after Matthew tells us that someone is going to betray him and that someone is Judas, of course, Matthew didn't know it at the time. Just after that, Jesus says, someone will betray me. And they one by one say, not me, Lord. And when Judas says, you don't mean me, he says, you have said so. But by the way, it would be better if you had never been born. We're going to continue on this story next time, but we'll leave it here at the Last Supper. We'll do one more section of the Last Supper next week, and then we'll continue on with betrayal and arrest. If you have any questions, send an email to host at com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, or Instagram as Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening.